0: You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Our Executive Director, Kyle Matthews, is organizing a series of interviews to support the AI and COVID Disinformation Initiative by the OSCE Office for the Representative of Freedom of the Media.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Kyle Matthews. I'm Executive Director of the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. We're very pleased today to have uh, another interview as part of the AI and COVID-19 Disinformation Initiative. Um, It's an initiative uh, supported by the OSCE's uh, Office of the Representative on Freedom of the Media, in which we're talking about the intersection of disinformation, particularly around the COVID crisis, the use of AI to deal with COVID disinformation, and what the wider implications are for freedom of expression, uh, which are, it's a key fundamental human right that we enjoy in democracy. So today um, I'm very pleased to have with us Alice Stollmeyer. Uh, Alice is the founder and executive director of Defend Democracy, um, an important think tank um, working in Brussels in the capital of the European Union to deal with digital disinformation and the threats of democracy. So Alice, great to have you on.
0: Good to be here. Thanks, Carl.
1: So Alice, maybe we'll start. Tell us a bit about your work uh, uh, on disinformation. Tell us about some of the things that you're working on now and just we'll we'll then go into some deeper questions related to AI and and, uh, freedom of expression.
0: Sure. Well, I think it's good to know that my background with disinformation is not as an academic nor as a, a policy maker, but really more as a practitioner. Um, I used to work as a digital strategist on European energy and climate policies and in that capacity, uh, I would say from around 2014, um, I was encountering the first uh, trolls and then later bots. and that's kind of when my curiosity started, like what's going on here? Why is Twitter changing? Who's behind these accounts and so on. And um, well, um, I think it also played a role in why I founded Defend Democracy a few years later. And now as Defend Democracy, one of the many things we do is to try to fight disinformation, but not by publishing academic reports or policy advice, uh, which are mostly published months Mm -hmm. after the particular disinformation campaign uh, took place. For example, after an election or after uh some sort of um, geopolitical crisis but what we try to do is to uh, monitor analyze and expose disinformation campaign and this is not like a singular lie but really about organized campaigns so we try to, to monitor analyze and expose them in real time And the idea is twofold, that on the one hand, you try to nip any potential effects in the bud. So to to, to decrease any potential harmful effects. And on the other hand, you try to buy your communication. You try to raise awareness and to increase um, digital literacy of the population. So, and more, more specifically, one project we are currently working on is the, the Dutch general elections, which will take on the 17th of March this year.
1: So, um, Alice, um, you've covered general disinformation, and, and I, I like how you talk about dealing with it as it's happening rather than long after the fact. I think, I think we need to be... Uh, to be moving in in that direction on so many other issues Um, but I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about from your experience how are you seeing any changes in in online digital disinformation uh, in relations to the COVID crisis?
0: Yeah absolutely Um, unfortunately some of the trends that I uh, was seeing for a while have accelerated and some of my fears and expectations have have materialized sooner than I had hoped they would be. Um, Yeah, and this was really, I think it was not just the pandemic, but it was a big contribution to it. Uh, I mean, there were other developments too, but definitely the, the the pandemic is part of it. And so what's, what's important to realize, I think that, uh, you know, digitization has both opportunities and risks for our democracies. Like, for example, this year's elections, and that's not just the Dutch ones, but other ones too, will be more digital than ever before. And that's not just because we have started to use social media even more over the past uh, couple of years, but also because the pandemic is forcing us to live our lives even more online than before. And this confluence of events presents our democracies not only with opportunities, but also with risks. Like since the outbreak of the pandemic, Both uh, disinformation and conspiracy theories have spread more rapidly from the margins of the internet to the mainstream media and thereby gaining greater reach than before.
1: So as this... And I think you're right, we're, we're online more, we're dependent on this technology. Um, it's kind of hard to see us turning back from it. Um, mm. but, but in order- I often
0: to like to think about, sorry to interrupt, but no it's, it's really, I can't remember who said it or where I read it, but really our phones, uh, and not just our phones, but uh, they are like a, a tech service. We really need to look at it that way. And it's incredible to realize that we're having, we're carrying this tech service with us, like almost twenty four seven.
1: No, that, that, I think I think that's that's a, a a very interesting point, and we see some of the the COVID um, conspiracies that you know that that the, the, the vaccine is going to, to track us and follow us around while everyone has a cell phone, smartphone in their back pocket where they're being tracked, whether they know it or not.
0: Exactly.
1: It, 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 it is quite crazy. We, um, we
0: don't make chips in our brains. We have it in our hands or or even in our ears.
1: I I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> uh, Alice, so, so dealing with the dis- disinformation online, I'm wondering, um, getting to the issue of artificial intelligence, we, we know, You know, the the role of algorithms on on social media platforms, the use of um, of, uh, deep fake, uh, deep fake technology to change videos. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's coming upon us. But I'm wondering, uh, just to get into a discussion about the role of A.I., do you see does A.I. play a role in enabling disinformation online? Do you see this in any of your work?
0: Well, definitely. And you already mentioned algorithms and uh, frankly, I think that's a a hugely important part. Um, So, for those that may not know, digital platforms use algorithms to rank, uh, not just posts, but also uh, accounts in our timelines, in trending topics, in group recommendations, in in uh, video recommendations, etc, etc. And since almost, and this is really, really key, since almost all digital platforms have polarization as their business model, the role of these algorithms and so AI is huge in pushing disinformation and divisive content. And then, you know, I'm not, I'm not even speaking about the, the doctored profile pictures and the, the 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 deep fakes, because frankly, sometimes I get and I'm, you know, let me be Dutch and direct. Sometimes I have the impression that some of the bigger uh, and perhaps even smaller, uh, some some tech firms, they think that deep fakes are uh, super interesting. And of course, I mean, there's, you know, um, probably money to be made with it. Um, to to try to tackle them or, or whatever, but uh, there's so much shallow fakes out there already doing damage that we don't even need deep fakes. Uh, the the shallow fakes are a problem in the, in in itself. And um, yeah, the yeah, I really really I feel very very strongly about. Polarization being, and I'm, yes, I'm very straightforward. Polarization is most platforms' business model. And so, yes, of course, there are also foreign actors, uh, not only because there's also domestic actors pushing this information, but you know, if it wouldn't be for polarization as a business model, the problem would be very different. And so it's I think it's important to somehow break that business model and whether that's by uh, I mean, there's, there's several options. I don't know which is the best one uh, that there may have been some studies done already. But I don't know, like there could be a, a public service alternative to one or more platforms perhaps even to the entire internet without algorithms or at least the some sort of algorithms that are shaped in such a way that at least they are not um pushing polarization and and hate speech and disinformation and that that, you know that to have more healthy algorithms i'm not saying that algorithms in themselves are necessarily bad. But they are if, you know, if, if, if clicks are driving your business model, and what do you need to get more clicks, that's anything that appeals to people's emotions. So the more polarizing the content is, um the more pl- clicks you get and you know that's just not healthy so uh, so, so
1: I, I i find it find interesting how you, how you the role of algorithms, algorithms um and platform governance that's an issue to be looked at i think by governments and and also the proposal about some kind of public social media platform that doesn't have those so it can uh, mm-hmm. So it doesn't have as polarizing effect. But I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, one of the challenges in, in dealing with disinformation, um, and and either the algorithms taking off, you know, offensive statements or, or false statements. It's the idea that we we have to protect freedom of expression. that's a fundamental human right. I'm wondering, in your views, what is what is the role of governments in trying to counter disinformation, um, but also safeguard Freedom of expression because it's it's very often that they're they're linked. Um, so are there are there best examples from Europe? or there is there legislation that we're seeing come out that should be on the minds of people that are concerned about this in other parts of the world or or in other OSC member countries or in North America? What what, what should governments be doing in this space?
0: Well, that's a really good question. I know that freedom of speech is often comes up in these in these. Um, in these conversations and and rightly so. I mean, protecting freedom of speech is important. However, it's also important to realize what exactly threatens the freedom of speech. So, for example, um, what I, I what I often do is 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 there is a need to clearly distinguish two separate threats to democracy. One is the information disorder which is caused by the broken incentive structure of our online environment combined with humans innate psychological vulnerabilities and secondly the authoritarian political warfare, which goes far beyond disinformation. Now, both are threats to democracy and both must be addressed, but they each need to be tackled in very different ways. Now, the information disorder needs the whole range of resilience measures like civil society, digital literacy, independent media, regulation of platforms, humane technology, etc. However, acts of hybrid war require deterrence, imposing costs on malicious or criminal behavior. And anything less would mean to fill precisely citizen security and democracy and other fundamental freedoms and rights. So, for example, a sanctions regime that does not equal a blanket ban on on untruth and as such does not threaten an individual citizen's freedom of expression. On the contrary, and here comes the important point, imposing costs to malign disinformation and influence campaigns is necessary to ensure the freedom of speech of individual genuine citizens. Because there's so much, an overload of information and and misinformation, disinformation that like the the, the right people's rights to which which are which are which are in the um, in the, the the Charter of Fundamental Rights to uh, information. And uh, well, I I can't remember what, how exactly it is 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 uh, uh, formulated in in the in the charter, but we have a right to uh, a public space and to information, and when that public space is overwhelmed by too much information and some of that information, and, and especially the, the mis- and disinformation, is amplified artificially, then precisely the freedom of information and expression of real citizens, not the bots and the trolls, is in danger. So we really need to, you know, every time when freedom of expression comes up as an argument not to regulate anything, no, we have to flip it around.
1: Uh, I, 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 that that's a fascinating point, Alice, and, and and I think people don't really give a lot of thought to this. But as these platforms have become almost like the Wild West, where
0: mm-hmm.
1: there are bots and trolls and armies that are going after um, uh, people, and we we've, we've seen uh, you know journalists um, being kind of targeted, harassed online, but also individual citizens and yeah and, that experience. and, and
0: judges and and, and and medical experts i mean th- this is what happens in the pandemic there are doctors out there who besides needing to fight for lives need to waste energy and time to counter disinformation online that's ridiculous they shouldn't be i mean they are needed to save people's lives not to fight lies
1: but there's, there's also a, a one of the negative impacts of this, of people attacking other real people online, is that very often uh, they will remove themselves from these platforms because it becomes um, yeah. a very negative uh, social reaction. Um, yeah. And then they're deprived of their freedom of expression because yes, they're not, yes. they don't feel that they can express themselves. So it, it really is a, a, a nasty situation that we're seeing develop.
0: Yep, yeah, I fully agree.
1: So Alice, maybe my last question, you, you've answered everything in great detail and, and given us a lot to think about. I'm wondering, have you seen anything in the disinformation landscape? Have you seen any positive things that any of the tech platforms have done that, that might not be well known to people or, or could be uh, duplicated um, in other platforms? Is there anything you're seeing on like, is it fact checking? Is it? I'm just wondering if there's anything that jumps out at you.
0: Um, well, I do like, for example, what um, some platforms are trying to do, which is kind of um, design speed bumps, uh, which are for example, well, let's let's use Twitter as an example. So if there if there is a tweet, Say that is, um, um, I mean, that is fact-checked and that is incorrect. And for example, is about elections and and um, you know the, it gets like this label, like this this statement or this information is disputed. And in some cases. Um, it's even they even put like a, an extra, um, yeah, speed bump. I would is the best, still the best word I've I've heard for it. Which means that if you um, uh, try to retweet it, it won't work because um, to to. To make to help ensure that it gets less and not more visibility, they have re- reduced the um, the 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 types of engagement that are possible with this particular tweet. So you can, for example, no longer and reply because that generates a lot of visibility, even though you may not realize. But that kind of puts it in other people's timelines, um, even though that may not have been your your intent, Uh, or you can no longer retweet. Uh, Often they still do allow that you do a um, so-called quote retweet so that you can add your your own comment or context. so this, I'm, I'm not recommending that necessarily the latter one, but uh, because it's, even a quote retweet is still a retweet. So beware, you're still retweeting disinformation in that case. Um, but I think that's a, that's a fascinating example of such a, yeah, putting up a speed bump for the the, the um, yeah, for the spread of this and misinformation.
1: Alice, I want to thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule, uh, sharing your expert knowledge and and the work that you're doing at Defend Democracy and what you're seeing in the European context. It's very valuable to um, people from all countries that are part of the OSCE that are trying to deal with disinformation and also safeguard freedom of expression. Thank you very much.
0: My pleasure, Kyle. Good to see you again.